Now, broadcasting on Star Worldwide Networks, it's time for the Fashion Rewired Broadcast with Brian Hill. During the Fashion Rewired podcast, we chat with successful fashion designers and business entrepreneurs who share their powerful stories of success while providing real-time industry tips, tools, and actionable strategies to execute today with the goal of designing our listeners' brands for success. Now, here's your host, Brian Hill. Welcome to Fashion Rewired. I'm your host, Brian Hill, self-taught designer and executive director of Phoenix Fashion Week. So why is it important to rewire? Well, I believe that every successful fashion designer and entrepreneur at one time or another made the smart and necessary decision to rewire their brain, their attitude, but most importantly, their actions to get them to their current level of success. Each week, I get to share stories of transformation with our listeners while giving you the blueprint to rewire. I love to open each episode by thanking the sponsors that believe in Fashion Rewired. Fact. Each season, Phoenix Fashion Week turns away hundreds of emerging designers that apply for the live designer bootcamp. This year, we created the six-week-long digital designer bootcamp where emerging fashion talent from around the world and from the comfort of their own home via mobile, laptop, or desktop will follow a structured curriculum online focused on the very important business side of their brands. In a short six weeks, the fashion experts will teach, transform, and lay out the blueprint to build and run a successful fashion brand beyond the runway. To apply, email digital at phoenixfashionweek.com. Today, I'm proud to welcome my next guest. Garrick Heimbaugh is an international speaker on sustainable fashion and hails from Austin, Texas. With an MBA from the University of Iowa and a degree in conflict analysis and resolution from George Mason University, Garrick is a co-founder of EcoStylist, the go-to resource for stylish and sustainable clothing. Garrick first got hooked on sustainable fashion after a chance meeting with the founder of an ethical brand, which led him down a long path of countless hours of research into how unsustainable our fashion industry was and still is. Garrick emerged from all this research with a simple question. Can I put together stylish outfits with only sustainable brands? Once he knew that he could, Garrick wanted to help others dress like they gave a damn about her planet, and Eco Stylist was born. Wow, Garrick. A bold statement wrapped around your, bra- your bio, bro. Bravo. Yeah, Brian, thanks for the introduction, and, and thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you go down this long path of sustainability. You have no idea until you get inspired by another ethical brand leader, right? And then EcoStylist is born. So, you being a stylish guy, I have to ask the question, what is one fashion fact that nobody would know about you, Garrick? One fashion fact that nobody would know about me? Yes, Ooh, <laughs> I, think, I like that. Um, probably that I thrift a lot of my clothes. I think that might be a surprise to some people because um, obviously I, I, I represent a lot of the brands that we that we certify, you know, and, and I wear a lot of their stuff. But at the same time, um, you know, I thrift a lot of my, my closet because I really enjoy that and, and finding like really unique, interesting pieces. So, Oh, man. So you got some secret thrifting places all throughout Texas, I'm sure, right? You have a little list that you could share with us, possibly, secretly? Um, that, that's actually pretty funny because, like, so I've I've done it in a variety of places, um, and I actually haven't done that much thrifting here yet. So definitely not – I'm relatively new to Austin, so um, definitely not a local thrifting expert. Um, but I've done, a, you know, done thrifting in, like, in Phoenix and Iowa City um, as well as other places. Oh, he mentioned Phoenix, Robin. That means he's been in our backyard, but we haven't met him face-to-face, but now uh, we're going to have him into our circle. 
man, you know, this is going to be a great conversation. So I really want to go back to when you rewired, right? Some people rewire when they're young, old, middle of the road. But basically, what was your rewired moment? And, and tell me what happened and what inspired you to go in a new direction, Derek. Yeah, I, I love the question. I feel like I've had two kind of rewired moments maybe in my story. But I think for me, uh, were, were things like really, really was like a big transformation. But I think for me, the, the more significant one was um, was the one that you kind of hinted at, uh, you know, in my bio. And that's like when, you know, I was basically in, in graduate school uh, for business. Uh, I was at Iowa. And I was, while I was there, my, my goal was always to start something on the side, like a startup. That was what I wanted to do. I was just really intrigued by the challenge of starting something and like what that would look like. And uh, I just wanted that. So, so I was like, had that in my mind. And I was really intrigued also by social enterprises at the time. So I, you know, I thought they were really cool. Like these businesses that were, you know, having a, a good like social or environmental impact. I thought that was really interesting, but I really didn't have a roadmap for how to do that. And I thought all the examples I was seeing at the time were like, you know, I don't know, we're like really uh, wealthy or successful individuals who kind of like maybe sold one business and then their next one was like a social enterprise. So these were kind of like some examples I read. So I just didn't really know how to put it all together. And so, you know, kind of this being the, the environment that I was in, I started to think of my next few steps as like, oh, I'll get this business degree, I'll get a job, you know, I'll start a startup eventually. And then like maybe I'll sell that and then I'll start a social enterprise. So this was sort of like what I was thinking was maybe the future. Sure. And then you know, while I was in grad school, I started working on a startup on the side and, you know, and I was kind of working on it all through grad school, like all through both years. And it was like in that moment that I was working on it, uh, that, you know, that I had this chance meeting. So I was at a flea market basically in Boston. I was doing an internship for my grad studies in Boston. And yeah, I met, I met this, I, they basically just had really beautiful shoes. So like I saw these awesome shoes and I was like, oh, I want those. Those look like really high quality, really um, nice. And I started talking to the guy and he was talking about like living wages in Guatemala. And it was, I've never heard like somebody who made, at that point, I'd never heard anybody who makes shoes talk about that. Like right. that was really interesting to me, you know? And also I heard a lot of like buy one, give one type social enterprises where they're mm -hmm. like, you know, you buy this and we give a pair of shoes. But, but this was like really interesting because he was like all about the people making the shoes. And that, so that for me that like, I bought a pair of shoes like on the spot because I was like, this is, I was like, I want to support this. Mm -hmm. um, and then I like, yeah. And then I like, dug into it. And then um, I was like, okay, what, what is this about? Like, what are the issues in fashion? You know, what is all this about? And, and what I dug into was kind of a lot of it actually kind of contradicted what I was doing. So at the time, my startup was really focused on, we were really focused on solving men's shopping problems when it came to fashion. So mm -hmm. we were looking at like, what challenges do male consumers have that we feel like we can help them with? Mm -hmm. So we were, we were building like a technology solution and we were, we were just going to basically recommend things to people from like ASOS and Amazon and these sorts of sources. And when I learned, you know, about the industry, I was like, well, these sources are actually like uh, largely part, like a, a part of the problem. And, and, <laughs> and then there's these, yeah. And then there's like these brands that we're discovering that are like really doing things differently. And that, so for me that it was about a month, I think that I sat with that and I did all this research and I talked to people and then I completely like pivoted. Like I basically just, I was like, you know what, this is it. I was like, I don't have to wait to start a social enterprise. Right. Like I was like, I can put this all together. I can redo this whole thing. Um, and so, yeah, so for me, that was kind of the big moment where I just like, it really like altered my perspective on what was possible and, and kind of like what I was going to do going forward. Oh man. So I'm sitting in your parents' chair. Okay. Uh, at the end of that month. 
And they're like, oh, my son, Garrick, he's going to be so successful. Get finished in grad school, going to get this big, high-paying job, do his thing, all those kinds of things. You're like, actually, no. <laughs> I'm, going to do, I'm going to do it now, um, start up my social enterprise, because I was so inspired at a flea market. Okay, I'm with you yeah. now. You're, um, so you sit for a month on this idea, and you've been transformed, obviously, in, ten, in your mind. But you and I both know that you've got to then put you know, pen to paper, right? So I want to talk about once you made that decision one month into it after the flea market and what's happening with shoes in Guatemala. Like, I love that backstory. Uh, what was the first thing you did, Garrick? Honestly, once you made the decision, what did you then do to set things in motion for EcoStylist? Number one. Yeah, number one. Um, well, just like once committing to changing it, it was then it was just all about like, starting the work to shift it, you know? So we had, it was basically like we had, like, cause I, I had a MVP built for this, like it wasn't, so, you know, it was a startup, but I had like, I had a product built, like a technology product. Um, we tested it with a couple hundred users, you know, we had all this data. Um, and I basically, yeah, I basically just like, from that point, I was just like, you know, we're going to, yeah, we're going to reconsider it all. So we just, we just started working. It was like, how are we going to, so I think the first thing was like, how are we going to determine these brands are sustainable and how are we going to find them? That was like top of mind. So it was basically like, yeah, so it was basically like, let's get, a, you know, let's get a list of brands. Let's figure out how we're going to vet them. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then once we've got that, then we'll figure out how to, how to reach what we have or build something new in order to help people support these brands. Right, right. So um, maybe it's commit to the change you've decided on, right? So maybe that's out of the gate. And then number two, it sounds like, um, how do you find and vet the sustainable brands? So that might be maybe uh, proving it, proving the model. Would you say that would that be the second step, or would it be really trying to find these brands, or was it to prove the model, the new model? Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we, I guess in startup fashion, we really dived in, and so we certainly, you know, like made mistakes along the journey and, and corrected course and like uh, and evolved quite a bit because I think yeah, so I think at the beginning we, but you know, I think it's important, it's really important to just get started and you know for sure and, and, and get the momentum going and, and learn as you go. So we started with kind of our own criteria um, initially and we, we came up with a list of brands and then we started um, we started figuring out, you know, then we started building it into our website and figuring out like, how do we help people buy these brands? You know, how do we help them support them? Like what information do they need? Um, so we started doing all that. And then like, a lo- like along the journey, probably like six months in, uh, I met the founder of a nonprofit who was, she was incredibly inspiring. The nonprofit is Remake um, and we at that point we shifted into into their into basically adopting their criteria, which was more robust uh, than than what we had before, and so that was kind of um, that was kind of a pivotal moment. That was gosh like three plus years ago now, and then you know and now we're kind of at a stage where we've kind of moved into you know since like moved into our own criteria and evolved it, and so so yeah, it's been like an iterative process, but always getting better right at, e- at each step of the way. Gotcha, gotcha. So number three maybe was you built a new MVP. Uh, by networking with other brands that had their own kind of criteria that you just adopted to you guys. that That's important because obviously you, you already had an idea in your mind. It was going in this direction. You're going to you know help men to uh, dress better, which is, again, admirable at best, right? Uh, but then you said, but they're also kind of a part of the problem. These, these, these you know, average brands that are doing so much to our planet uh, damage-wise. But when you get down to this new MVP in step number three, by networking, we've talked to lots and lots of designers and entrepreneurs, and they talk about that whole networking deal. So you committed to change, that you decided to do this new idea, uh, right? Then you went out and figured out your 
how you're going to find the people that will be sustainable enough, like you said in your bio, that you would wear that they actually care about the planet. And then you have this new business model. Is, is that about right? Yeah, and you know, you're, you're absolutely hitting on something really important, and that is like networking was so important to our journey. You're like, because this was, you know, I started, like it was about four years ago, so this was right you know, before COVID, right, 2018, 2019. Yep. And like one of the first things I did, like one of the first things I did, so I was like, basically like at this point, in the very beginning, you know, we had like a MVP, we were like super scrappy, you know, we, we had not much really, to be honest, like we had no, we weren't generating money at that point, right, because we didn't even know how we were going to make money. Um, but like I went, but it, regardless, like I went to all these conferences. So like as like basically as like a complete amateur with like no idea what I was doing, <laughs> I went to like all of these conferences and met like other people in the space, and those connections were super valuable. Like that's that's where like yeah, that's where we met. That's right, I said that's where we met. You know, we met remake, and then you know we met. Um, I met like other. I met podcast hosts in the space who you know invited me onto their podcast when we were probably like way too small to be you know <laughs> to be like talking to their audience and. Um, and I, you know, and I met brands there. I met like tons of brands that are now certified brands on our site and they helped me, just knowing them helped me, you know, to also know like what our brand's doing, what to look for, right? And then, and then compare that to our criteria and see how like, you know, so the, meeting all these people was really, really helpful. And um, yeah, definitely, I would say like really important to our journey. Well, man, I love that. Well, I love conferences, me personally. We just talked about this before you and I started the, con- the podcast about getting out there in real life, right? and meeting people face-to-face, shaking hands, looking in someone's eye, and how powerful that live uh, component is. And like you said, we've been living half full the last couple of years and doing the best we can with COVID, pandemic, war, inflation, gas, everything. But at the end of the day, if you can get in front of someone and really talk to them, which I look forward to you know, meeting you face-to-face as well, there's a lot of power there, you know? And it sounds like you did that in those conferences. Yeah, absolutely. Like it completely changed things for us. And, and, you know, and like I said, to be clear at the time, at the time I felt a lot of imposter syndrome, you know, I felt um, pretty nervous about speaking to some of the people I was meeting in these conferences were my heroes. Like they were people, I knew who these people were. I had like read their work. I had listened to their work, you know, um, I had heard of their brands, whatever. Um, and so these were people that I like admired uh, at this stage. And, and yeah, and I had to kind of like, you know, just show up and meet them and, and then learn from them. And, and that was really helpful. Well, because you're authentic and, and people that you looked up to that you admired, uh, they can look in your eyes well and uh, with the same passion they have, uh, maybe just a couple clicks ahead of you. But uh, that authenticity, uh, being authentic is what people really care about. And that's what you were doing. You know, you didn't realize it. That was actually real value that you had, you know. Um, I love that. Love that. So when you, when you talk about these different, we call them action steps to get things going in the new direction, the new rewire. Uh, what is like one big accomplishment that you can legitimately say happened because of me going in motion and doing these one, two, three action steps? What's one big accomplishment you can tie to that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, in a way, every like in a way, like everything comes from <laughs> like came from just you know getting started and kind of committing to our journey and and being willing to learn. But like, I think if I was to tie like specific actions, you know, it would be like. Well, like, like, kind of like I mentioned, like going to this, like going to the, these networking events, like, you know, formed our partnership remake directly, like in the beginning, it formed like, you know, like I said, it got us onto like, it got us onto some early podcasts, which really helped, um, you know, build awareness. And, you know, it's like where we are now, like we hit milestones, like, you know, like, well, like, uh, like last year milestone we hit was like half a million page views. And, and like all of this is like direct, uh, you know, these are all direct steps from like, yeah, from continuing to take steps and, and keep going basically. And, you know, and obviously change course when you need to <laughs> taking steps, 
I, I love it. That, that's super simple. That's a habit. You and I both know that lots and lots of people will sit on the couch and they won't take steps or they will talk about it and be paralyzed for fear or like you said, um, imposter syndrome or whatever. But what you're saying is just taking steps is probably the biggest accomplishment we did from day one all the way through four years ago till now. Yeah, exactly. Like you've got like you've got to keep moving. You've got to do things and try things. And yeah, like they won't always work out. But I'm really I'm really not a believer in like waiting for things to be perfect <laughs> yep. because I think that you'll wait too long and you know you'll lose momentum. Like all kinds of things can happen, right? Um, and you learn so much from putting something out there, even if it's not the best. Like that feedback you get from people, like well, you know, will help you. Like you like you might have never guessed that something was flawed in a certain way until you put it out there, and then you know somebody told you, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's super valuable, I think, to, to keep moving. Well, even though you said you had imposter syndrome, it sounds like you had no fear. No fear that it was wrong. No fear that it was slightly off. Uh, no fear at all because, again, you were giving your best effort at whatever it is. That is something that uh, I don't know if everybody has that. Is there a way that you think, uh, were you an athlete? Uh, did your parents raise you this way? How did you get that no fear approach to things, Garrick? Yeah, I do think that's been really important. I think if I had to pinpoint it, because I, you know, I, I tend to like dive deep into certain topics and obsess over them for like limited amounts of time. Like where, you know, I mean, we're all just like, like, so for example, if I'm interested in entrepreneurship, I'll just read books only on that topic, right, for a while. And just, and I think, so I was reading a lot of books, uh, you know, in my journey before, before The Rewire. And, and I think one of the people whose information really stuck out to me was, was Noah Kagan. He's a entrepreneur. He's based in Austin. Um, but he's an entrepreneur based here. He founded AppSumo. He was like an early employee of Facebook. And oh yeah. Anyway, he puts out a lot of co- yeah. He puts out a lot of content for entrepreneurs, and he. I think I think that's where I, I believe I picked up the no fear thing from him. He he's really big on that. Like he'll tell people to do these um, fear based challenges to get over things. And so like one of his challenges that he had me because I took one of his courses. Like this, this was before my rewire. Like I you know I was I was like reading his stuff and I took one of his courses and. He had me do things like when I lived in uh, like Virginia, I did things uh, like I would go to a coffee shop and just ask for a discount when they did <laughs> or like actually any like any store, like any store. Like, it didn't matter what the store was. I would just walk in and be like and like I'd walk into the register or something. I'd like kind of 10 percent off of this. And some people look at you like you're in- insane. Like they're like, what do you mean? Like there's no sale. Um, but like it's actually really powerful because, you know, you don't know if you don't ask. And also, like, what's the consequence? Like, when people laugh at you, you're just like, it's not a big deal. But also, what was really funny is a lot of times people gave me a discount. That was, like, the funny part. Like, a lot of times, like, even, I think, even at a Starbucks once, um, which, you know, it's like, it's like a corporate franchise, right? Like, the, the, the cash register, like, she, just because I asked, she figured out a way to do it. And she gave me, like, a 10% discount. Um, That's amazing. So, I think it's, yeah. You're now rich from the discounts at Starbucks. Do you hear that? Robin, that's the, that's the magic formula right there. Um, I think that uh, I was kind of raised that way as well. Um, I try to help my daughter do the same kinds of things just to do things that uh, get over your fear of uh, being laughed at or whatever. Because at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. And more times than not, uh, you, if you don't ask, you definitely will never know. So asking is always a good thing. And being, getting into that habit, that's probably a good uh, set of habits that anyone should really get. The younger, the better. Man, uh, Robin, he is super efficient with his time. We're halfway through the podcast already, Garrett. Can you believe that? Oh, amazing. I <laughs> know, <laughs> I know. So we're going to pause for a sec, thank our sponsors, and we're going to come back after the uh, break. I'm going to put you into the Garmin District. Rapid fire questions. You ready for that? Yeah, it sounds great. All right, hang on one time. We'll right back. The Phoenix Fashion Week Freelance Program. While building Phoenix Fashion Week into an effective fashion industry resource, we have been asked time and time again to recommend the services of our teammates and associates. 
So the natural next step has been to organize a system and network of fashion professionals that we could vouch for in the marketplace. The Phoenix Fashion Freelance Program is open to anyone needing fashion design, hairstyling, sales representation, photography, graphic design, web design, marketing, social media, styling, makeup artists, accessory design, videography, modeling, PR, event planning, and consulting. For more information, please email freelance at phoenixfashionweek.com. All right, we're back. This is Fashion Rewired. I'm your host, Brian Hill. I'm on with my buddy, Garrick Heimbaugh, the eco-stylist. We've been having a good time going through all kinds of things, rewiring, finding out how you can follow his rewire moments to get him to your level of success. Garrick, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Really good. Really good. I'm loving, really loving this. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. All I want you to do is tell me either underrated or overrated. You can't give an explanation, though. Fair? Ooh, okay, that's fair, yeah. <laughs> Social media, underrated or overrated? Overrated. All right, there it is. Formal education from a person with an MBA and another degree, underrated or overrated? <laughs> uh, overrated. Okay, there it is. Uh, capital, you know, money, money, underrated or overrated? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of both, but if I, if I have to pick one... Um, Maybe underrated. Okay, underrated. There it is. Uh, your team, underrated or overrated? Underrated. Underrated. Networking. I know the answer to this one already. Underrated or overrated? <laughs> yeah, underrated, underrated for sure. For sure, for sure. Phone conversations, old school, underrated or overrated? Oh, definitely underrated. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. This has been an amazing phone call today. So, okay. So fashion designers and entrepreneurs they're always falling into two categories in the garment district. So it's either wholesale where your message or your market, your services to the masses as far as uh, corporate goes, right? So at a wholesale price, or are you direct to consumer? What do you think eco stylist is? Are you a wholesale player or a retail play? Do you think? Yeah, we find ourselves definitely in an interesting position there because we are a retail play, but we're also like more of a resource. So it's definitely, um, it's definitely an interesting model, right? Because we're basically like, we're researching brands. We have this brand directory that, you know, people can use and filter and, and find these great brands. We have 91 brands currently. Um, but like if people, at the moment, the way our, our, like our, in the current version of our website and our shop and everything, it's like if you shop a brand on our site, it'll take you through to the merchant to buy it. So it's kind of like pass through in that way. Um, and so that's kind of how, yeah, that's kind of how we work um, for now. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So ultimately, you want the end user to have the best experience with one of your 91 brands, correct? Yes, Got definitely. It. Okay, I, I would say direct-to-consumer, right? Because you want, even though you want to please those, those brands, ultimately you have to get those individuals that like your curation and then trust you enough to go to the pass-through to those 90-plus brands, yeah? So... With that being said, if we're talking about individuals, direct-to-consumer, what is the best platform that you know from a sales category that converts your followers or new followers or people who don't know about you into fans of EcoStylist? What's the best sales platform for you? Sales platform? I love the question. Are you, I mean, really, it's our, it's our, I really I think it's our website, you know, honestly. Okay. Um, I mean, I know obviously social platforms matter and, and things, right? Um, and if we were to, like, rank our social platforms, you know, like, for us, uh, Instagram is probably the most valuable, yep. you know, right now. Um, but yeah, but at the end of the day, you know, like our, our website is really the tool that people are using, um, you know, from wherever they're following us. And, the, and so that's really where we need to create like a really good um, user experience. Got it. Okay, that's good. 
we don't hear website that much anymore, but that, I love that you, that's where it is for you. Uh, the tool that users go to, to make your moves is the website for EcoStylist. Okay. Love it. Love it. Going back to social media, um, you're most successful in Instagram. Why do you feel Instagram is best for you over Twitter or TikTok or? Yeah, it's, you know, I think I've heard a lot of um, people will say like when you're, uh, you know, when you're, when you're smaller or you're like an independent designer or like a startup or a small business, you know, that it makes sense to focus on just a couple of channels, right? Um, because if you try to chase all of them, you know, you just divide yourself. Um, and I, I do believe that. Like, I think that that's been, been true for us where it's like if we're trying to do every channel great, you know, it's just like too much. It's like, wow, it's so much work. And, we're, <laughs> and maybe we're like, instead of like honing in. And so, yeah, so I think for us, Instagram has been a great channel because we've found our community there. Like they're, we were looking at the different channels in the beginning and it was like, where are these people who care about sustainable fashion, right? Like yeah. where are our customers, where are the hashtags? Um, and really we found it to be there. And this was, you know, this, we made like, that was early on discovery and, you know, and so obviously like even before TikTok, you know, that was like, you know, it was like four years ago and we were like, oh, Instagram is where our, you know, our people are. There's obviously big sustainable fashion communities on, on, on TikTok too, but I still feel that uh, Instagram is, you know, for what we're doing that it's, you know, a great channel for us and where we should be focused. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So do you have time to follow people on social media? If so, who are you following and, and why? Yeah. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess if I'm being honest, I don't really have time, <laughs> but, okay. um, but I do follow people on social media. And yeah, I mean, I mostly follow people in, you know, in the sustainable fashion space that inspire me or I find like their content really great, you know, or, or I find like their, their arguments uh, really thought provoking and, and, and I think like expanding the knowledge in the space. And so like Asha Barber is a great person to follow. Uh, she's an author and like just, yeah, just okay. like always, always putting out like great content that's like really on point because there's all these things in sustainable fashion to think about and and i feel like she's always uh kind of on the cusp of like you know what's of like the newest like kind of things to think about like important things to think about so okay. i think um asha yeah. barber asha yeah, barber call, asha barber yeah a j a um and it's uh yeah and i think other besides i mean we also follow a lot of there's a lot of accounts we follow you know as i mentioned like remake is a great account to follow as well yep. uh, they put out tons of educational content um, yeah, there's quite, there's quite a few in the space. Uh, but yeah, I definitely, there's definitely like a lot of experts out there that, that we follow and, and whose work we respect. That's cool. That's super cool. So website, you're not doing too much social media, but you do follow some key people to uh, keep, uh, current and also again, follow these, some of these arguments and different uh, ideas that they have, which is keeping your mind open. It sounds like to me going back to your networking days. Um, is, is there another go-to source or resource for you that keeps you on par with what's happening and what's going to happen in sustainable fashion? Where do you go to read up on, to be current yourself? Ooh, yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Um, I am connect I'm connected to a lot of online communities. And so I will usually see, I do, I definitely stay on top of like what's the news and like what's happening in the space. And, you know, I, I'll see it in a variety of forms. I'll see it on, you will see it on Instagram. So you'll see a lot of like, a lot of stuff will get shared there. So you'll see it there. Um, I'll also encounter it on like the Reddit, uh, okay. like sustainable fashion, ethical fashion groups. Yep. Also on Facebook group, community groups for sustainable fashion, you often see, um, you know, people will share something if it's new. And so those are, yeah, those are some of the places that I see it uh, as well as email. I guess I also do follow uh, people's newsletters. So yeah, I tend to, and, and also I have Google alerts turned on. So I, I actually, yeah, I actually, I guess I see a lot of the, kind of updates and like what's new in stable fashion. And I'm always kind of interested in that and, and checking that out. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I'm writing this down. 
I take all notes. I, I expand myself all the time when I do the podcast. So uh, email list and newsletters, love that. Reddit, 100%, IG, um, Facebook groups, uh, anything that's kind of newsworthy. I, I love that, love that. So uh, with that being said, you, you might not have any time to read anymore. I'm sure in the beginning when you're in grad school, you're reading left and right. But can you recommend two books that our listeners can read to succeed today? Ooh, yeah, I love that question. Um, the read to succeed. Okay, I mean, there's there's a lot of scannable fashion books that are good that are that are more informative. Like, so I mean, I think if somebody was looking for something to you know drive like productivity or, or motivation or entrepreneurship, right? There there might be different books I'd recommend. Um, but like in sustainable fashion, you know, Consumed, which is Audrey Barber's book, uh, who I mentioned earlier, yep. like that's, that's, I think, a great book that covers the topic well, I think, from a really contemporary standpoint in terms of like what are, like, I think she, I think it's a really good overview of like what the issues are that people are thinking about, um, and especially like in a timely one. Um, and I also really enjoyed uh, Cradle to Cradle, which was about circularity. That's... Um, Again, these are, I think these are both more of like they're less inspirational in terms of like in terms of like uh, growth success and more they're more just like informational in sustainable fashion because I think circularity is a really important topic that people are thinking about within fashion. Like how do you you know how do you stop a product from ending up in the landfill? And so I just think that one also kind of broadened my perspective because it was just a really interesting book that sort of challenges you to think about products differently okay. and think about how you design them and think about like can we design them you know in a way that yeah that they don't end up as trash. Um, ever ideally is is the is the kind of with the model they're going for and and I, I just thought that was um really mind opening. Yeah, cradle to cradle. I, I've heard of it. Put on my book list for sure. Okay, this can be a tough one. I got you some tough questions so far, but I'm going to take you back to the younger Garrick. Okay, the little Garrick, and I, I wanted you to give little Garrick some advice to get to the current level of success of the eco stylist today, but way way faster. What would that advice be? I would just not to circle back, but also to circle back to our conversation because it, it is it is the thing. I would I would tell him to lean into the the fear chasing like way sooner. Yeah. I think when I think about you know my rewired moments, I think I think that there was two of them, right? And so the one before the one I so the one there's obviously the one I talked about. The other one was before that, and that's really what it was. It was because that was you know that was back when I was basically doing a lot of things that I was really unhappy doing. Like I, um, like I had this job in, I was working like commercial real estate and this was like, so this was like after college and um, I was just really unhappy and I kind of like, I kind of found peace or like happiness by just channeling all my energy into a hobby. So I worked on cars and don't get me wrong, like I was having fun, like it's not like, you know, I was having, like I was doing some things that were interesting to me in my life, but, it, but I wasn't checking my overall happiness. Like I was basically just avoiding a lot of things um, and not like addressing the fact that like I didn't like my job and yep. you know I wasn't like challenging myself enough and I think and so for me the thing that really changed was to start to start chasing fear like to start being like you know you're afraid of this then go do it like you're afraid to move to a new city you should do that you're afraid to you know you're afraid to you, like you'd rather die than act in front of people well you should take an acting class like so <laughs> you know like like these are the kind of things that um, and I think I wish I had done that sooner yeah I think if I did that sooner had done that sooner I would have grown faster for sure. Boy, that is tough. Robin, that's some advice right there. She's nodding her head. You you hit something with her, <laughs> our producer. Okay, I love that. So fear chasing, so, so good. So so how about a final thought, Garrick? Why should people rewire? Hmm. That, I would say, I mean, yeah, it's like, 
I would say the, for me, the most impactful thing about rewiring was just like, I guess just to, to me, I think it's the, for me, I feel like it was necessary. Like, I, I don't think, like, if you want to, if you, if you are unhappy, like, or if you, if you feel like there's more or like, you know what I mean? Like if you really feel, if you feel like unfulfilled or you feel, yeah, like a deeper sense of unhappiness or like that you're not challenging yourself. Like, I think these are like, I think rewiring is absolutely necessary in order to, in order to sort of address that problem if it's something you, if it's something you experience, right? I don't want to prescribe maybe what people are experiencing in their lives, but like for me, like, but if you are experiencing that, then I think it's essential. Like there's no other way to get around it, you know? And I think, um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, without doing that, like for me, I just would have been stuck. Like I felt that's the best way I could say I would have felt, I felt stuck before. And I think the only way to get unstuck is to, yeah, is to, is to rewire. Yeah. Get unstuck. I'm writing that down too. You're just dropping gems left and right, Garrick. <laughs> Seriously. Um, what are you most excited about for the rest of 2022? Ooh. Um, I love that. So the something that we're really interested in right now, which I'm really excited about, is, you know, we've been, yeah, so we have, kind of as I mentioned, we've, we've built up our brands list and we've been, you know, at this point, we've been researching brands for a long time and we have a, a really good foundation of like, what to look for and like kind of this roadmap of sustainability. And so it's something we've been looking, leaning into recently, which I'm really excited about for, you know, for the rest of the year and, and growing this and expanding it is it's helping brands, you know? So we're really interested in like, okay, you know, a lot of brands have asked us like, you know, um, like how do we, we've had brands come up like come to us who are like, we have no sustainability program whatsoever. Like we're starting <laughs> from zero, yep. but we've been in business for like 10, 20 years, you know, can you help us? Or, you know, maybe there are newer brands, but like, we didn't pass them in our criteria and maybe it had a lot to do the transparency, right? There's all kinds of factors that could contribute, but sure. like for those brands, it's like, if we can help them, like if we can give them the roadmap to be like, this is what you can do and then they can do it. I think that's really powerful. I think, I think it's necessary to help the brands too, right? For the, yes. the movement, like if everything's going to move forward, you know, the brands are in need help too. And so, so that's something I'm really excited about is just like doing that work and seeing how we can move the needle there. Oh, I mean, instead of turning your nose up at people who aren't doing it, what you're saying is let's help people do it. They probably want to do it, but they don't know how to approach it. And giving them a roadmap uh, to become more sustainable is amazing. You're expanding that way as well. Uh, We do a lot of that same kind of thing at Fashion Week in Phoenix with our boot camp, helping designers to just be more successful from running their mindset, right? Being uh, counting the dollars, having a business plan, follow up and follow through, all the different things that you have talked about all throughout your eco-stylist business, right? And so we know how powerful that is to help other brands. So we're running that ballpark with you. So I can't can't wait to have some conversations about that, how they could align. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah. So how can people follow you, Garrick? Yeah, so you can follow us on Instagram at it's all together, it's your eco-stylist. Or on the web, we're just eco-stylist.com. Fantastic. As always on Fashion Rewired, you can upload your free Garrick Heinbaugh blueprint of his rewire. You can follow his one, two, three action steps or simply be inspired by what Garrick's already done. Uh, Simply go to our Instagram, at Fashion Rewired. Send me a direct message. You'll get the free blueprint of Garrick Heinbaugh today. Garrick, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it. I really, really did. I learned a lot today and I expanded myself. Yeah, Brian, this was such a fun conversation. I really, I really appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, it was my pleasure. Uh, thanks for being so patient. And we're out. Thank you for joining us for our weekly 30-minute podcast focused on the business of fashion. Fashion Rewired is all about the successful transformation of your mind, perspective, and daily approach to your fashion brand. Make sure you listen next week for the Fashion Rewired podcast with Brian Hill.